as good as the knowledge yes. and the information yes. and the content is, mm-hmm. if you are not delivering it in a way that accesses people's emotion, mm-hmm. it literally doesn't matter. Welcome back to another episode of the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. I am incredibly passionate about helping you grow in your leadership. And so I want to tell you how you can get the most out of our podcast. We drop a new episode on the first Thursday of each month and generally a bonus episode on the third Thursday. If you're new to our community, I do want to encourage you to make sure you get the leader guide. Go to life.church slash leadership podcast, and we'll send you the guide. It's got detailed notes of each topic or each interview, as well as additional information and questions for you to cover with your team. I promise it's worth your time to get the leader guide. Let me tell you about our interview today. I'm talking to a good friend of mine, Liz Bohannon, who is the founder of Seiko Designs. She's also the author of the best-selling book, Beginner's Pluck, Build Your Life on Purpose and Impact Now. And through her work in the fashion industry, uh, she's fascinating. She actually creates educational um, and economic opportunities for women around the world. And through her work as an author, a writer, and a speaker, she uses her entrepreneurial journey to inspire leaders across the globe. Uh, I promise you this one's going to be helpful. Let's go to the interview now. Liz, welcome back to the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. I'm so excited to be back here. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, you are a two-time guest, and uh, that's pretty rare. Okay, okay. That, uh, that, uh, and, and I am really excited you're back for a second time. There's been a lot going on in your life recently. Yeah. Quite a bit. Yeah. Anything you want to update our community on? Oh, geez, it's been a big year for me and my family. Uh, think, Probably right? from a vocational standpoint, led my company through a merge in our community, and so... Navigating new community, new leadership dynamics, new possibilities and opportunities, which has been really fun. I have three kids now, yes, three boys under the age of seven. That's at least one more than last that time. That is at least one more than last time, two, five, and seven. So we are busy and full, but in actually a really sweet season. Good, yeah. good. Well, congratulations on the merger. Thank you. And since we were together last, you spoke again at the Global Leadership Summit mm-hmm. and did fantastic. And so one of the questions that we get from our community often is a lot of people that want to know about how to grow in their public speaking. Mm. It could be anything from running a meeting or doing a presentation. And what our community may or may not know, you were named um, in the top 20 speakers in the U.S. by Forbes magazine, which is a pretty dang big deal. Mm -hmm. And I agree with their assessment. I think you're a fantastic communicator. So I'd like to dive into a little bit about how you process, think, and grow in your communication, and then ask you some more targeted leadership questions. So first of all, I want to ask you, first time you spoke, how old were you? What'd you do? What do you remember? What'd that look like? The very first time somebody asked me to come speak on a stage is probably about not much more than six months or a year after I had launched my company. Mm -hmm. And it was actually the college that I went to. They were hosting an event. They had heard about the company that I started. And so they reached out and asked if I would come share the story. So for many, and I said, yes, I did it. I loved it. One, because communicating is just a passion of mine. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love thinking about how people learn and what the different dynamics are and how to do that effectively and the sense of community that it can create. From a business perspective, I definitely remember being like, you're going to put me on a stage in front of several hundred people in my target demographic. 
I get to share the story of my company. And not only are you not going to charge me, I'm going to make some money from it. Hmm. It just was like, this is brilliant, of mm -hmm. course. And so for many, many years, I would speak anywhere. And really the main kind of core motivation was I just saw it as a tool to mm -hmm. grow our community and to grow our mission and our impact through the business. It really was kind of a means to an end. Okay, so I wanna, I wanna just pause on that for a moment because I think what you said is really, really important. You just said you saw it as a tool and you saw it as a means to an end and you saw how you could create community. Basically, you could get movement out of it. What you didn't say, Liz, is what a lot of people say, and that's just, I like it. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And so if someone does a talk and I'll ask them how it goes and they say, well, I enjoyed it. I kind of want to <laughs> say, who really cares? Mm -hmm. Meaning... Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you liked it or not. Mm -hmm. Was it effective? Mm -hmm. Did it create movement? Is something different because of it? And so at your core, you saw it as a tool mm -hmm. to create movement. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that. Like what kind of movement can you create? And what I want to try to do is I want to give people who are wanting to grow in their communication skills a little bit of understanding behind the purpose mm -hmm. so that the purpose will drive the improvement, not just kind of this mm -hmm. more self-centered, I wanna be liked or be better at it. Mm -hmm. So one thing I will clarify is I really had to learn, I don't think if you wanna be a speaker and a communicator, going, hey, this is basically like advertising for my thing is not a great way to mm -hmm. think about your speaking career. Mm -hmm. I started out like that because I was primarily focused on the mission and impact I was making through my company. Mm -hmm. Speaking was literally just a means to an end. Mm -hmm. I did learn pretty quickly that if I wanted to keep doing it mm -hmm. and keep getting asked back, you always have to think about, it's great if it drives value for you and your company. Mm -hmm. How are you driving value for, for the, people the people in the audience? Right. And so many people think I just, I have to have this great story and it's my story and I get up and I share my story. And it's like, well, your story is the Trojan horse. Mm -hmm. Okay, your story is the vehicle. And it is actually really important because narrative is how we learn. It's how we grow. The human brain is wired to remember, to receive and to recall stories more than any other form of communication. Huge bonus points if they're your stories. It's mm -hmm. way more powerful to tell your story than somebody else's story, just from a pure effectiveness mm -hmm. standpoint. The story itself is never the end goal. It's so, so what you wanna be thinking about is like, no, the story is the vehicle, mm -hmm. but what we have to do, and this is for speakers definitely, but for any sort of thought leader or author, speaker, any type of communicator, is we have to do the hard work of going, okay, I'm evaluating my story, I'm looking at it in hindsight, what are the core principles from this story that yes, are specific to me because it's my story, but are so universal that this principle can actually be applied to pretty much anybody. I was actually just a couple of weeks ago, I was in Texas speaking at a national landscaping association, right? And so I'm like texting my friends who I text every day and they're like, you're at a landscaping conference? Like they've seen my yard. They know I have nothing to <laughs> offer, you know? And I actually really love sometimes going to industry events that are so far outside any tactical value that I have to offer is really fun to me because it, it's almost like a proof point of like, man, if I can use my story of starting an ethical, sustainable fashion brand, you know, as a 20 year old, and mm -hmm. that can drive serious value to a dude in Dallas who's running, you know, a 300 person landscaping business. That to me is the signal that the principle is actually real and true and good and universal. Mm -hmm. So it's not about the story. It's about using your story 
pulling out and teasing those universal principles and communicating that truth to your audience with the hope that they receive it, that they can recall it, and that they will actually implement it. So how did you do that? What part of your story did you use to connect with uh, landscaping business owners? Yeah, so there's a couple in that specific talk. You know, one of the things that I talk about a lot is this concept of dreaming small. Mm -hmm. I do think it's, it's an intentional communication choice that I have made one, because I actually just think it's true. A lot of times the platitudes fail us, Mm -hmm. but another thing, I, I have these principles that go in direct opposition to all the kind of inspirational stuff you're going to see in the self-help aisle and on Instagram, which it's like, yes, if you've ever been to any sort of inspirational conference or walked down a self-help aisle, somebody's telling you to dream big. And I'm not like inherently against dreaming big, but what I have noticed honestly through my own life and through walking and coaching other people is that the dream big message is kind of like a pat on the back for people who are already dreaming big. A lot of times they're like, okay, good. I'm dreaming big. The people who are not dreaming big and the people who are actually really stuck and who feel really kind of overwhelmed that doesn't actually help them very much. Mm-hmm. It kind of adds, sometimes it can add to the kind of sense of, of overwhelm of like, how do I dream bigger? And like, is this, what, how are we even defining a big dream? Like, is this the big dream? And so one of my principles is this idea of dreaming small, of giving mm-hmm. yourself permission to dream small. And there's two things that I love about that. One, I've just seen by lived experience. And this is part of the thing. You just got to get your reps in. You say something, you take notes. Mm-hmm. That, that is one thing. It's like game day tapes. As a communicator, one of the things you need to be doing is like when you're communicating, pay attention mm-hmm. to the people who are receiving the message. Mm-hmm. Is it clicking with them? Right. Is it moving them? Are they reacting in a way mm-hmm. that you're like, you know, this makes sense? I do. I have a journalism background, so I am pretty insatiably like investigative. And so you really want to apply that lens as a communicator. And for me, I really did learn that as in the beginning of my career, it was all like, you know, leave the day job and dream big and do the extreme thing. And what I found is that I think I was just actually contributing to people's sense of overwhelm. It Mm -hmm. made me feel good. Mm -hmm. It made me look good and look special that I was someone who could just break the bounds and do this quote unquote, really brave thing. So it's like kind of nice for your ego to stand up on stage and go like, I did this special thing. What I actually found is really powerful is when people see themselves and they identify with you mm-hmm. and you're on the same team. Because mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you've like created this bridge between like, oh, she's not inherently different or unique or special. In fact, one of my principles that I talk about in Beginner's Pluck is this idea of owning your average. And I will just like proudly say, I think I'm pretty average. Like in most areas, inherently gifted we're all pretty average. That's literally the nature of an average. Like statistically speaking, we're most in the middle of the bell curve. And that's a really intentional decision to put us all on the same team because once we're on the same team, then kind of moving people in a direction feels so much more achievable. Uh It feels so much more doable. And it kind of feels like we're like doing it, we're doing it together. So one of the choices, so dream big or, you know, kind of questioning that and giving people permission to dream small, I inherently believe is a really valuable principle that kind of unlocks people, gives them some energy and confidence. There's also something about anytime you go against what's expected, yes. mm-hmm. what happens, doesn't matter what it is. Is it a joke they didn't see coming? Is it a principle that's being questioned? Anytime there's an amount of surprise, what's happening in, in your brain is all of a sudden your kind of normal way of existing gets interrupted. Mm-hmm. And the moment it gets interrupted, the moment there's any element of surprise, our brains are actually way more receptive 
to whatever is coming next. Mm -hmm. So as communicators thinking about how we got to know, we're going in, people are distracted. They're thinking about a million different mm -hmm. things. We all have these mental habits and patterns. I think one of the things that we need to do as communicators, and there's tons of different ways that you can do this, is to kind of interrupt the kind of autopilot that people are on so that they're actually open and receptive and leaning in mm -hmm. to the message. So you said a lot, and I, um, <laughs> I, I can visualize people going back and I mean, you have to play that and listen to it again because there's so much there. I want to summarize a little bit of what Great. you said in a little bit of different words. So the purpose of your talk is not to promote you or your product or your mission. Mm -hmm. The purpose is to serve the listener. Yep. And so you go, you come in with a you attitude. Mm -hmm. Then they're going to connect more to stories mm -hmm. and emotion moves people to action. Knowledge mm -hmm. typically doesn't, but mm -hmm. emotion. So you want them to feel something then you're going to ask, how can you take a part of your story and connect it to something that applies to them? Mm -hmm. If possible, saying something new or different or surprising mm -hmm. creates a moment of connection, intrigue, a lean in. Mm -hmm. And then you said something in there and you went past it really quickly, but I, I, I want to come back to it. Is you said something about you're kind of watching the audience and mm -hmm. what I call it is reading the audience. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about when you're in the middle of saying something and you you know you could stay there longer, you could move mm -hmm. on, you could never say it again, you could always say it. What are you looking for in real-time communication and what do you do with the knowledge you receive by watching people? Mm-hmm. So it's a good question. It really varies depending on the type of event. So there are some events where it's very appropriate to be pretty improv mm -hmm. and you're in tune with the audience. And in that, in that moment, you really are acting in real time mm -hmm. and kind of getting a gut of like, oh, people are nodding. People are laughing. People are crying. People are leaning in. We want to kind of stay here. Also, you don't want to like overdo that. It's mm -hmm. really important to kind of have variance, like mm -hmm. an emotional variance throughout your talk. If you're coming in and it's like all jokes, it's all funny, it's all high energy, it's yes. all super sad, it's all, at some point it becomes too monotone and people will mm -hmm. just start to kind of check out. Mm -hmm. um, so you can pay attention to that and in real time kind of pivot and iterate. And then there are other times where honestly you can't really do that mm -hmm. because you have a really tight timeline yes. or the client or the community, somebody has said, this is what we need to accomplish. And you really want to like mm -hmm. honor that and you can't go off the script. And so in that moment, you're just making the mental notes for next for time, on, right. you know? And I really rely also a lot on connecting. I love connecting with people afterwards. Mm -hmm. And it's really informative when somebody comes up to you afterwards, wherever they start the conversation is a great indicator of what impacted them, what their takeaway was, you know, what in a 30 minute speech they really held on to and, and kind of making notes and not just notes about what they said, but about also who they are can be really informative. You're obviously making snap decisions about their demographic, but it's really valuable to go, oh, in that general demographic, it seems like this was like a really powerful part of the message or story. So once again, there's a lot there. One of the things that you talked about, and I'll, I'll just say it, um, succinctly is you have to be in the moment and aware of a lot. Mm -hmm. And so for those of you that are maybe learning to communicate, you're thinking of what you're going to say, but you're also thinking of how much time you have. Someone's doing something weird and creating movement in one part of the mm -hmm. room. If that happens, I always go to the other part because mm -hmm. if their eyes are going there, I want to try to keep them on me. Mm -hmm. And you have to be really, really aware and in tune with how is this connecting what's going on. And so you created, you said a lot of emotions right now. 
And a lot of times someone will give a talk and I'll say, tell me what you saw in the crowd, who you saw in the crowd. Mm -hmm. In the early years, I couldn't even pick people out. Mm -hmm. But now I want to be aware of everything that I can to be mm -hmm. fully engaged in the moment. Then you talked about variation, which is so important. And you, you are one of the best I've ever seen at this. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a car shifting gears and sometimes really hard mm -hmm. that'll surprise you. Mm -hmm. To have a great talk, you're gonna to wanna to come in and you're gonna to wanna to have some excitement. Humor off the top, in my opinion, is a real tool. Mm -hmm. Why? One reason is it loosens up the crowd. Two is it loosens you up. Mm -hmm. It makes you feel a little bit more relaxed. Mm -hmm. And you know, someone who can have their arm crossed and when you use humor, they'll they'll start. They'll, it's, it's a disarming mm -hmm. tool to mm -hmm. get people to hear you. Stories are great, but in the event we were just at, you were uh, had us ramped up and then paused and went to a moment of vulnerability mm -hmm. that just you could have heard a pin drop in the room. Mm. Can you talk to me, um, put it into some words, let's say we've got some, I'd say season two communicators. They've got a okay. little bit under the belt, mm -hmm. now they're getting, they're really starting to grow. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about the, the practical tools of how you vary speed, pace, volume, where you stand, mm -hmm. body language, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. tell, tell me practically what do you do mm -hmm. to draw us in because you do it so well. So there's actually a process. I don't do this every time, but I did this with my book. I've done this with different keynotes where I literally take the content in the order that I think it makes the most sense to, to deliver. I physically cut it up. So I cut the papers up and they're kind of in paragraphs or like thoughts. And I do this thing that I, I call emotional mapping. Mm. And so I've got like a positive emotion, a neutral emotion, and maybe kind of like a little bit more of a negative emotion. And this actually happened when I was writing my book, there was a chapter that I was just kind of like, I think this is a very inspiring and empowering principle that it just sounds really mean. <laughs> like it just sounds like low mm -hmm. the whole time. And I actually had a friend, we got together and we used the wall in her home office and we literally mapped out it according to how does this paragraph make me feel? Is mm -hmm. it warm? Is it fuzzy? Is it laughy? Is it, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. then it's going to be positive. Is it just kind of neutral? Like it's like facts. It doesn't actually make me feel away. And then, or is this actually kind of a hard thing to mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. hear? And so you can actually visually kind of see this and it's super helpful to look at a, a board and go like, wow, we're really low. So if, I, if I'm going to push back and I, I agree Great. with everything you're saying, yeah. but if uh, someone's going to say, but doesn't content matter, why do I need to why do I need mm. to care about that? Of course, content matters. Mm -hmm. Your facts matter and knowledge matters. And that's like a given. Mm -hmm. If it is not delivered mm -hmm. in a way mm -hmm. that moves people emotionally, the knowledge literally doesn't matter. They Stop. won't retain it. S say that again. I want you to say it if, if you can. Yeah. Okay. Ish. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Get as close as you can. As good as the knowledge yes. and the information yes. and the content is, mm -hmm. if you are not delivering it in a way that accesses people's emotion, mm -hmm. it literally doesn't matter. And listen, we live in the information age. Yes, We have never, the, the rate at which information is multiplying mm -hmm. and is available to us is so exponentially greater than it ever has. And, and attention spans are decreasing at yes. an exponential rate. Yes. So we've got more information than mm -hmm. we've ever had. We have a shorter attention span than we've ever had. So anybody can find the information. What we do as communicators and the way that we serve is mm -hmm. we go, how do we take that meaningful mm -hmm. information and content, mm -hmm. but deliver it in a way that actually changes minds and changes so lives. So let me ask you some questions that are impossible to answer and there is no right okay. answer. Okay. So if if we've got a hundred points and you're gonna divide them up between content and presentation, 
Is it 50 50? Is it 75 25? What are you, you going to say? I would probably say 70 30. And which is the 70? 70 is presentation and okay. emotion, and 30 is really I rock solid content. I would not disagree with you because, okay. because without emotion, there's not action. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, in every talk I do, I want to ask where is an emotional connection? Mm hmm. But I don't know about you. I've definitely also been around speakers who I thoroughly enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Like for 45 minutes, I'm with them. I'm laughing. I'm having a great time. I definitely emotionally connected. And I walked out. I have no, it was a delightful experience, mm -hmm. but I have no takeaways yes. because it just, so, they'd had me along for the last. Yeah. There, so there are extremes. There yeah. are, that there can be, and in, in, you know, I'm a preacher, obviously. There are sermons where you walk away and you go, that was fun. And I felt good. What was the application? And there's not any. Mm -hmm. that, that's a fail. Mm -hmm. There are extremes, and there are people like you may or may not know Tim Keller, who just passed mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. Tim was not the most exciting or mm -hmm. emotional communicator, but mm -hmm. he was so good mm -hmm. that his content and authenticity of who he was mm -hmm. did keep people, but that's mm -hmm. rare. Mm -hmm. And most people aren't that. So for the vast majority of the rest of us human beings, mm -hmm. that, that emotional connection matters so much. So let me ask you this preparation or presentation, how do you weight those? To, to create a great talk, how much is built on before you get there versus in the moment? Mm, for me, it really depends on the event. There really is when I can, I'm kind of an all or nothing gal. I love to show up to an event where I'm like, don't even tell me what we're talking about. And let's do more of kind of an interview style. And it is 30 or 45 minutes of true. You are reading the room. You're reading the audience. You're interacting usually with somebody else on stage, I think can be super powerful. There is something about the magic that happens when someone feels like something is unique is happening in this moment. Mm -hmm. And it is happening. There's like this alchemy and in interaction with the audience. That's a really, really special thing. Mm -hmm. I love to do it. If I'm giving a keynote and I know I have 20 minutes and I have three ideas that I need to communicate, I go pretty far on the extreme of like every word matters and mm -hmm. getting like, you know, going in and just being brutal with cutting things out and does this actually matter? And if, if this left, does it change the impact, whether that's emotional or the content? So I think I'm kind of all or nothing. Like I like to really read the room and be in it and have no, not no preparation because you have your life and your knowledge, or I'm actually like a fan of being yeah. very sure. So this is brilliant because there are times when authenticity and being in the moment matters more. And there are other times when precision matters. Mm -hmm. And I, I'll tell you like, Liz, I will, I'll bring people into my office and go over this word or that word, mm -hmm. this word or that word. Mm -hmm. I don't like this one. Help me find a better one. And I'll, I'll sit there. I'll, I'll ask chat GBT 20 times. <laughs> give me 10 more words. Give me 10 more words. I mean, 10 more words, like, you know, yeah. over and over and over again to try mm -hmm. to find the right one and we'll obsess about it. Does it matter? Sometimes it does. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're creating a new keynote, what does that process look like? And can you quantify generally a range of amount of time that you're going to spend on it? Oh, gosh. Well, the the talk about community I wrote, that was brand new for GLS. Mm -hmm. I had never given that talk before. And what a gift. I mean, for a communicator, because GLS, they were literally like, what do you think leaders need to hear most? Mm -hmm. I mean, what a gift to right. go. There's no agenda. There's no thing that we have to you know, get across. What do you think mm -hmm. leaders need to hear at this moment in time. So that's just a dream to have that like total blank slate, at least for me. How many hours did I spend on it? I mean, 
hundreds maybe. Mm -hmm. So for me, the way that I go about it is uh, crappy first draft. I think that's an Anne Lamott. Uh, mm -hmm. I think maybe she coined that. I'm not sure. Actually, there was another word that she used, but we'll keep it kosher here. Mm -hmm. um, this idea of I do like stream of consciousness. And so it is like, literally I get open. I don't even use word. I get on my notes app on my, you know, Mac. And I literally just go, what is every story? What is every thought? What is every principle? I think the first version of this talk, if I were to actually have given it three hours long, mm -hmm. maybe, I mean, it is just an absurd, everything. obscene yep. amount of content. I call, I call it a brain dump. A brain dump. Yes. There you Put go. Everything down, anything possible. Nothing is wasted. It all matters. Yep. I yep. do the same thing. Yep. So I start with a brain dump and then... It's really a matter of going through and going, okay, I actually probably do start with the principles. Mm -hmm. If I had to, which you always do, pick two or three things mm -hmm. of those 30,000 words, mm -hmm. you only get to share three things. That's the most people are going to remember. So I really do, I think, start with the content. What, mm -hmm. are, what are the three principles that I think matter the most? Go through all of that, pick the three principles and then I kind of reverse engineer the narrative and the story and go, okay, if these are the three principles that I want to communicate, what are the stories that we're going to use to mm -hmm. do that? So this is brilliant. And uh, for our community, I want you to hear this. And, and again, Liz has been named one of the top 20 communicators in the United States. And what they didn't say is my husband works for Forbes and he, he wrote the article. I'm just enough. kidding. Yeah. I'm just yeah. kidding. But <laughs> it's your, your world class. And what you just said, I don't want them to miss, is how long did it take? You said you might have spent hundreds of hours. Mm -hmm. And so I'll do the opening talk again next year for GLS. And I started working on it two weeks after last year's okay. GLS. Yeah. So that means for 50 weeks, I've got that document open. Mm -hmm. And I've been testing it. And so yesterday, I had 130 of our top leaders in. And I gave them a 12-minute version of a 40-minute talk mm -hmm. just to say it out loud and mm -hmm. to watch what lands and what doesn't land. And mm -hmm. so that's that's what I call a slow cook. Mm -hmm. and that's good. And in, in my world, and a lot, some people like in ministry, we got you know seven days between Sundays. Mm -hmm. And so we can't necessarily slow cook yeah. them. Yeah. But what I find is I want... I want three or four sermons ahead of time to be open. And so I've got, I kind of cut it like an open bucket so more stuff can fall into it, more mm -hmm. ideas. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you don't have, you know, hundreds of hours and mm -hmm. you gotta, gotta work with what you have. But I like that process to summarize, you will do kind of a brain dump. You're gonna mm -hmm. put as much down as you can. And then what you're gonna do is you're gonna find what are, what are the biggest principles that are gonna apply to the most people and let those kind of emerge. I call it just following the talk. Like mm -hmm. literally, mm -hmm. I'm letting the content lead me mm -hmm. and then let those come to light. And then you're gonna illustrate them for probably emotion or for application mm -hmm. in some sense. Mm -hmm. And you reverse engineer mm -hmm. that in yep. mind. I will say, and this is totally just a personality style thing. I can't start working on it. My brain, it honestly feels like does not operate at, a, at its highest capacity. Until I'm like, girl, you better get going. Mm -hmm. So for so me, you're a pressure prepper. I am a pressure prepper. Yep. So I wait, I consciously go, and I was in a very busy season that took all of my intellectual energy leading mm -hmm. up to writing this talk. And so I totally gave myself grace and literally said, you will not think about this mm -hmm. until it was probably maybe two months or three months in advance, two months in advance, partly because I just couldn't and partly because I kind of know myself at this point that I'll make myself miserable. If I don't have pressure, 
I just dink around and yes. it's not good. And the moment I wake up and it's, it's, there is, there will be a night where I wake up in the middle of the it's night and time. I go, girl, yep. you are it. too close to the wire. And sometimes for an event that might be 24 hours and sometimes it might be two months, depending on the content. And then once I have that middle of the night, you waited too long. Then all of a sudden I'm like, it's game time. Yeah. See, I cannot do that. And the important thing I want people to hear is you got to find your rhythms, yeah, what, yeah. Work, what works for you. Mm-hmm. I would be, um, I wouldn't sleep <laughs> good knowing that I didn't have some real serious direction. Now, mm-hmm. as far as the polishing goes, that's obsessive yeah. the, the few days before. Mm-hmm. But Amy, my wife is the same way. She just gave what I consider to be her best message I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the best messages I've heard anybody mm-hmm. give and she refused to work on it until three weeks prior mm-hmm. because it's almost, and this is kind of weird, and especially for a guy to say, but it's almost like a pregnancy mm-hmm. that you want to be, you don't want to push until it's time to mm-hmm. give birth. And so mm-hmm. she wanted to wait, get, get as yeah. much l- deeply loaded in her heart mm-hmm. and then let it come out. And so that's a, another thing too, is you can have, you could do the same talk in two different cities with two different crowds and it comes out in different ways. Mm-hmm. Tell me why, what happens? Ooh, it's a good question. That kind of alchemy, I think, honestly, the boring answer, but I do think is really important, is like there is something about the design of a space that can really impact. Okay, talk to me about that now. And and, be, and I'm gonna add something to, when you walk to give a talk, you wanna feel the room before you ever show up yes. on that stage. Yes. You wanna hear the microphone, you, know, yeah. you wanna know where the table is, you wanna know where people sit. If you're running a business meeting, I would suggest you design the space. Uh-huh. Meaning, if there's if they're sitting at eight foot tables on the other side of tables, there is a there's a physical object mm-hmm. between you and them. The connection changes mm-hmm. totally. if they're taking notes. If they've got there's no there's nothing between. If you've got a big fat podium between you and them, there is a physical object that blocks your space. If you've got nothing, you've got more of a connection. So talk to me about yeah. space. So the biggest thing I think is proximity and fullness or emptiness. And sometimes you can't always control that. But for instance, I just gave like an hour long seminar and this would be kind of one of the ones where I would go, I knew what I was going to talk about. I knew the top three things that I wanted people to take away, but I was totally like, we're going to go. I want it to feel casual. I want it to feel connected. We're going to let audience members kind of like participate and that will kind of direct where we go with it. But I spent the first five minutes and I think sometimes people think I'm like kidding, you know, where it's like filling up the entire front of the room, getting people as physically proximate to one another. And I can make people uncomfortable. You know, there's a couple people and they're being cool in the very back row. And I'm like, you can leave or you can come up front. But those Mm -hmm. are your two options. Like Mm -hmm. if we're going to be in this, we're going to be in this together. There's plenty of times where I don't have the ability to actually design the room and have that control over it. And that's, that's the circumstance. Like you show up, ooh, you show up at 8 a.m. First of all, you do not want to speak at, at, at 8 a.m. That's just hard. But, you know, sometimes we got to I'd rather 8 a.m. than 2 p.m. personally. Oh, that is true. Post-lunch so, is someone rough. Someone eats lunch is rough. and that's the nap time talk. But if it's like the nap time talk post-lunch or truly after a very long day of content or first thing in the morning when people were like partying the mm-hmm. night before mm-hmm. and, you know, it's like they're just kind of dragging in and you go into a hotel ballroom and it's it. They chose way too big of a ballroom, and you're at thirty percent capacity. It's a Just big immediately, deal. I know this is gonna. This is gonna. Go, I will do the best I can with the tools that I have. But mm-hmm. we are not all of us. We are not set up for optimum success yes. in this room. Yes. And that's just like a thing. So for our community, I want you to hear this right now. That if, especially if you're in control, the 
the feel of the room matters so much. The quality of the sound matters. If there's a video projector on you, how they shoot you, how the lighting is, it all matters all the way down to, and this sounds obsessive, but I'll wear a certain outfit for a certain tone of a talk Mm -hmm. and I'll wear a different color for a different tone of -hmm. a talk. If I want to be warmer and relational, I'll wear blue. If I want to have be strong and communicate authority, I'll wear black. And mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. it, to me, it's holistic, full on, mm-hmm. full body, every everything matters in communication. So today we got to, we're at the same place and you gave an, an amazing talk. What I'd like for you to do today, and first of all I'll tell you, you know, it was amazing. I want you to try this is gonna be hard for you Ooh. to don't, don't be don't be modest. Okay. Tell me what were the qualities of that talk that made it incredibly special and effective? Oh, geez. Well, first of all, I will say, kind of circling back to who you who you look at in the audience, I, what I really did love about today, and just to give people context, so we were taping, it was mm-hmm. live, there was, what do you think, 100 people there? Yes, correct. And then it'll be Broadcast. you know broadcasted mm-hmm. to all the uh, locations. So there's only about 100 people in the room, which is a relatively small room. Mm-hmm. It was all concentrated into those first like six rows. So mm-hmm. that's a big deal. That's a, a design deal. It choice. Was, uh, it was, uh, there's a hundred people in a room that sees 1200. Yes. And so they were positioned. Like, can you imagine if they were all like sprinkled over a 1200 person would auditorium? would not have been nearly as effective. No. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to make, I love to have a few people in the audience. And in the beginning, it used to be, I want to find my yes person. Mm-hmm. Like I want, and I there was him, a gal. I call him a oh, friendly face. Okay. And she might've been the one that you called out at the mm-hmm. end mm-hmm. because she was my friendly face. Like mm-hmm. literally, I don't know, three minutes into the talk. She's like, she's doing this. Yeah. I can see she wants to get out of her seat. So I know uh-huh. she's my yes girl. Yeah. She's already on board. So here's the thing. When you first get started, you just need your yes people yep. that are going to like make you feel like, okay, people are with me and you can ignore everybody else in the room. Then, but here's the thing whoever that woman is, and I don't, I don't know her, but I'm guessing she actually isn't the person that needs that message Mm. because she's already on my team. Mm -hmm. My guess is that woman Mm -hmm. is already living out everything that I said. So Mm -hmm. she's like excited about it, but actually she's not Mm -hmm. my key person that I want to move. And then I want to talk to because here's a problem with communication today in 2023, we are just creating so many echo chambers Mm. and we have people that have a message and what they're actually doing. They think maybe they're changing the world. They think maybe they're influencing people. Mm, Actually, it's very clear by how you're communicating. Literally what you're trying to do is to get people that are already in your camp to hoot and holler and to love you and to to cheer for you. Mm -hmm. By the way, the only way to get people that are already in your camp to love you is to kind of be more extreme and extreme in like what you believe. And I think that that's part of what is creating this super divisive echo chamber environment. True communication that changes and influences the world. You know, my husband and I, we met leading Young Life in college. And one of the kind of Young Life mottos, I'll probably butcher it, is it's about kind of the furthest out kid. Mm -hmm. Like they've chosen as a ministry to say, we're actually, we don't exist for the kid that grew up in church that knows Mm -hmm. all the Bible verses. Like we're here for the kid that's smoking out back behind Mm -hmm. the bleachers and we want to love that kid. And so my communication style, and I think truly to influence the world, there has to be a level of who's the furthest out person Mm -hmm. and how are they receiving this message? And am I creating space and opportunity for someone's mind 
to actually change because in a room of a hundred people, for me to have one person that comes in as a cynic and as disbelieving whatever it is that I'm, you know, hoping to change their mind on, to be more open is so much more fulfilling mm-hmm. than to have 99 pre- people who already believed that to amen and hoot and holler. So what I, I've started doing, and I won't name names, but I had one, and you never know. Like, are they actually, is it just their face or their being or do they actually feel this way? I also pick my furthest out kid. Mm-hmm. And I had one today. Mm-hmm. There was a guy in the audience and his vibe was just like, who is this? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I could just tell he was like kind of skeptical. And I really love to also, I kind of like to go between my yes person and my person who is like, my, you are the only person mm-hmm. in this room that matters. Mm-hmm. And changing your mind and bringing you into this story and into this concept matters more than the rest of the 99. I love that. And so, I'm going to say something. This will make some of our community mad. They're going to disagree with me. But I think to really create change, especially today, that we can preach for applause or we can preach for change. Mm -hmm. And those are, those can, are often two different things. Mm -hmm. So for example, in some of the more controversial issues in my world, in the the faith community, Mm -hmm. if I say things really boldly and, um, and pound my fist and point my finger there's a lot of people they'll say, you're preaching the truth. Come on, preach the truth, preach mm-hmm. the truth. And the person that we care about that we're trying to reach feels distanced, mm-hmm. shamed. Mm-hmm. And so we can say the same truth mm-hmm. in a different way that is loving and doesn't create cheers from the home crowd Amen. that brings a change. So do you want to make a point or do you want to make a difference? Woo! And that's something that's to really ask in your communication, do you want to make a point or do you want to make a difference? And today you made a difference. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you probably even reached that one guy that was, was um, maybe a little bit more difficult to reach. What would you say, Liz, to someone who is um, trying to grow? You've gotten, I mean, you're very, your, your techniques are, they're both skilled and they're authentic. They're true to you. You're comfortable in your skin. What are some ways that you've grown and some practical things that someone else can do, like like literally to to get better? Mm-hmm. How, how, how do you get better? I mean, I will say, speaking of being authentic, you got to talk about the truth of your own life. Mm-hmm. I have never stood on stage and given a talk about something that I don't feel like this is also when I meet a stranger on a city bus. Somehow I start talking about this topic. Or if you were to actually look at my life and see how I spend my time and my money and my energy, it's very clearly reflected. So I think taking that very seriously of like authenticity um, that in alignment of like, actually, you're not just getting up and talking about the issue of the day that all of a sudden you formed an opinion on seven days, like really the most powerful. And that is where, honestly, I don't speak about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. I am not like a 150 subject speaker. I honestly have like three things Mm -hmm. that I feel like are my life's mission and the truths that God has put on my heart. And I'll tell different stories and I can do it in different ways, but I'm very comfortable camping out on being like, this is who I am. This is what I care about. If you also happen to care about these things, great, we'll Mm -hmm. be a match. But I'm not like, I'm not going out trying to be like, I'll do whatever it takes to get on the stage. So I think making sure that your content actually is authentic is really important. And then authenticity when you're on stage is so important. It's so easy. And I see so many communicators, but professionals of any kind trying to emulate other people's success and style. And it just is never going to serve you 
or your people, because there is something about the authenticity of someone showing up in all of their unique quirks and styles and the unique truth to their life that actually creates change. So I'll comment on that. What's interesting is, you know, we have a, uh, we have a lot of staff members, have a lot of pastors. And if you took one of them and took them to a neutral environment, and then you took another pastor from another church to that neutral environment, you could probably pick out which one is ours based on their tone and mm-hmm. communication because mm-hmm. they model what they often see. Mm-hmm. Now there's good to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in our world, there are a lot of preachers who just copy who's most popular in the moment, mm-hmm. stylistically and otherwise. And so what I, I try to tell people is learn from as many people as you can, but you have to find your own voice. Mm-hmm. You really have to find your own voice. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're starting out, you may actually try to sound like this person, try to sound like that one. But if you don't find your own voice, you're never gonna be great. Mm-hmm. And it's really important to be comfortable. And this is so much easier said than done, but you really can cultivate this of going, it's okay that I'm not for everybody. Mm-hmm. I would rather, again, walk into a room and have a percentage of people go, whoa, I literally feel like she was speaking to me and have another group go, that was like, not really for me. Then I would to go, well, I'm all things to everybody in this room is gonna love me. I feel the same way about building a brand, about building a company. Like the moment I talk to a budding entrepreneur and I'm like, tell me about who your customer is. And they go, well, this pretty much everybody's gonna love this product. That is such a huge red flag for me that I'm like, you are not gonna build a sticky, powerful brand. You're not gonna design a product that actually changes the world. You have to be willing to go, it's okay if this isn't for everybody, and especially as believers, and in a faith community, there's a real freedom to that, to go, oh, actually, that's why God designed mm-hmm. us in community. There are different voices, different stories, different principles that God is gonna use. And and honestly, I need to be faithful to the input, but like God is gonna decide yeah. who that touches, who that impacts. Once it leaves, it's actually not in my control. And there's a real freedom that goes with like, if there were people in the room today that I was a little bit too much this or a little bit too much that, like no harm, no foul, um, great. I hope the next week's speaker serves you more. Yes, that's confidence in who you are. Long lead in to this question, and I hope you'll feel my heart behind it. We'll all walk into rooms where we're not necessarily welcome. Mm-hmm. For me, I am a follower of Jesus. I am a pastor. I have other interests. Mm-hmm. And I believe leadership is incredibly spiritual. And so I've been a student of leadership for years. I will go into some places, they'll invite me to speak on leadership. And there are people that will write me off before I ever start, mm-hmm. because what would a pastor ever know about mm-hmm. leadership? Mm-hmm. That's my lead in. I have four daughters that I love mm-hmm. and I have one wife that is phenomenal. And they will walk into some rooms with men mm-hmm. that will not want to receive them. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. That's mm-hmm. the way it is. Mm-hmm. As a female communicator, talk to other females out there and tell us, what do you do? How do you succeed? What What's effective? So there's, there's two ways to answer this question. The first is from your own mental, spiritual, emotional health. And honestly, that really comes back to the last topic of like, you be faithful to what God's calling you to and how God uses that is kind of out of your control. And that's okay. You got to release that and believe that God is actually going to use you, even if you don't feel like you can see it, you know, in the moment. Then there are just some really practical tools that it is, um, you know, I feel, who is the like, whatever, leadership guru, how to win friends and influence people. Carnegie. Yeah, yeah. Like this kind of idea, there is a level, I find, there's some mirroring that can be really powerful. Mm-hmm. 
all the way down to how you dress, to kind of how you show up. And there's a real, listen, I feel like in our culture right now, we hear a lot about authenticity and you show up in every space just exactly who you are. I don't know if I buy that. Mm -hmm. I buy that on a deep spiritual level in every room you go into, the principles you hold, the values you hold, what honesty looks like, what integrity looks like, those you hold on to for dear life. And no matter what room you are in, those core parts of who you are, who God made you to be, and the message on your heart, you do not change. And I don't care if a hundred people in the room are going like, that's not for us. You hold on to that. There are some more superficial things that you can actually do to connect, to put people at ease, to kind of meet them where they're at. I happen to have a personality type where challenge ends up probably feeling a little bit more exciting to me that again, it's like, I'm more interested in moving one out of the 100 than getting the 99 that already agreed with me to, to hoot and holler. And so being energized by the challenge, kind of reframing it from like, oh my gosh, I'm a victim. I don't have the credibility and really focusing on that, which is true and it's unjust and it's unfair. You can also have a posture of go, I might get to be a part of the change. One of my favorite talks that I ever get, gave was several years ago. And same thing, the conference organizer was like, I trust you, I admire you. I want you to talk about something you've never talked about before. And here's the, the demographic. And it was a heavily male demographic. Mm-hmm. And that, and I do, you know, my work, educating and empowering women. It's about, you know, women and education and building community, all this stuff. It was thrilling to me and probably one of my favorite talks that I've ever given to go, you know what? I am giving this talk I am writing for a 40-ish year old uh, middle-aged Southern conservative Christian man who's probably going to be intrinsically a little bit uncomfortable, frankly, with my existence on a stage. And that to me is like an exciting opportunity to go like, what new connections, what new ideas? And there's all sorts of things that I did to kind of lead in a way I don't like to position myself in opposition Mm -hmm. to folks. I really like to start with the things that we can agree on. I think you can shame people or wag your finger at people to be better. I think that works in the short term. It's like raising kids. Mm -hmm. I know I can get my kids to behave if I threaten them, if I shame them. In the short term, that actually will produce the behavior that I think I want. In the long run, it's not effective. It's not effective. Inviting somebody in to a newer, better, more beautiful way of thinking is always more effective in the long run. And so with this specific talk that was really about kind of gender equality, it's less about, let me tell you the 19 things that you've done wrong. And instead, what if with some humor, what if being a little self-deprecating and surprising, I can actually paint a picture of a brighter future. And by the way, you're a part of that brighter future, but here's what it's going to take for you to be a part of getting us there. Sure. Well, you do that well, and you actually did that today. Maybe intuitively, you said at the beginning, you said, I think we can agree. And then you yeah, made a statement yeah. early on. And yeah. so you're you're drawing us in. And it, you were speaking to an audience that may not have known you today. Mm-hmm. And so you were finding ways to find connection, mm-hmm. which you did very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. So I want to um, tell our community about the, um, your book, Beginner's Pluck, P-L-U-C-K, <laughs> Build Your Life Around Purpose and Impact Now. Um, very, very good book. 
there are going to be a lot of people that are experiencing you for the first time and they're going to want to know more. Tell us, where can we find out about you? Yeah, so you can find me. The only social media I really use is Instagram. I'm at Liz Bohannon. I love to connect with folks. I have a podcast called Plucking Up. It's one of the great joys and hobbies of my life uh, where I invite successful people from all different realms, artists, speakers, authors, lots of entrepreneurs, and we get on the show and we just talk about our failures. Mm. We talk about the hard seasons. Mm. We talk about how we worked through them. We talk about embarrassment and rejection. And so you can find us there and join in on those conversations. Um, my companies are Seiko Designs. That's S-S-E-K-O Designs and Noonday Collection. And that is where if you are interested in one, looking great, having an amazing wardrobe, um, but also making an incredible impact. I like the way you said that. It was like a commercial, like looking great, like your looking voice great. changed. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> so um, you but, lost me, but you got a but lot you of people know what? out there with you. Yeah, there's probably some other A lot folks. of people with you, yeah. But yeah. we are excited about walking alongside people. You know how we behave, our, our decisions that we make as a consumer, they matter so much. Yep. It's the one thing that every single one of us We'll do every single day. We're going to spend money and we can actually do that in ways that lift up, that create dignity, that create opportunity, that align with our values. And so it's a great joy of mine to contribute to building that in the world as well. Amy and I are grateful for you, your friendship, your um, your friendship with the Global Leadership Summit and of course with our church. And I just applaud you for being um, someone that is you have the courage to be very unique and yet <laughs> and yet you're very normal. Um, you have created world-class businesses, but they're businesses with a purpose and a mission behind them. You um, live in deep community and everywhere you go, you leave and the place is a little bit better. So I had um, a whole nother category of questions that we didn't get to. So we might have to do it for a third Next round. Time. Hey, has anybody been on the show three times? You uh, know, I love a little uh, friendly competition. I think, uh, I think we have one <laughs> and uh, you, you could be the second. So, but we're grateful for you and I'm grateful for you and our community. I hope this was helpful to you. I know it was. And um, if you want to share on social media, just tag Liz or tag me and uh, someone from our team might repost it and we want to invite <laughs> other people to be a part. We're going to include links to her books as well as other information in the leader guide and we'd love to get that to you. Just go to life.church slash leadership podcast and we'll send the guide with the release of each new episode. And I just want to tell you thank you for trusting us to bring content that will help you grow in your leadership. Uh, I love you. And I believe in you and I want you to get better because everyone wins when the leader gets better. Mm -hmm.